Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. What's up, everybody? My name is Aaron DeLong. I'm the lead pastor here at Simple Church. I want to say thank you for being here with us on this beautiful Sunday morning. We are in week two of a brand new series called Carols. And man, I really love this series because uh, I really I really like it when we get to take something and look at it from a different angle, like just kind of flip it upside down, look at something you've always looked at and look at it with fresh eyes. And that's what we're doing in this series. We're taking songs that you are familiar with, songs that you have probably sung for the majority of your life every year from well, I would say from Christmas time, from December on, but it's usually it's getting earlier and earlier every year into November. And I even heard Christmas songs starting to be played at the end of October, which is crazy to me, but I love them. So it's all good. It's kind of my happy place. So so what we're doing in this series is we're looking at these songs that you've probably sung over and over again, and we're pulling out some spiritual significance in them because a lot of Christmas songs were written with the meaning of Christmas in mind, which was the birth of Jesus. And as a result, a lot of those songs that we sing, they're worship songs. That if you key in on the words and the things that you've sung over and over again, and you think about them, you'll realize, man, these are beautiful songs. These are songs you could lift your hands to. These are songs that during a time of prayer that you could worship God with. And so we're doing that. Last week, we looked at uh, O Holy Night. This week, we're looking at the song, O Come All Ye Faithful. And uh, this week, uh, for some, just some history behind it, before we get into uh, the scriptural relevance in the song, the song was originally called Adeste Fidelis, which is written in Latin, and it's kind of argued about who wrote it. Uh, the, the guy who gets credit for it is John Francis Wade, who is an 18th century hymnist, but they also, there's some accusations that he took the song and actually stole it from some monks. There's also a possibility that some of the verses were written by kings at that time, a king of Portugal and, and some other people in there. So there's at least four different authors who have got some credit on this particular song. It started out originally with four verses and then has been expanded into eight verses over the years. It got translated into English by uh, by Frederick Oakley and got its name, O Come All Ye Faithful, in the year 1841. You may have a personal favorite of this uh, song uh, by, done by lots of different singers. There's lots of people who have done it. My favorite uh, is Nat King Cole, and then my favorite rocker version, which is kind of unexpected, but really awesome at the same time, is, uh, is done by Twisted Sisters, and they do it to the tune of We're Not Gonna Take It. It is so awesome. Uh, you got to check it out. So anyway, having said that, I want you to hear this song, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about it. And uh, for your listening pleasure, I'm going to play O Come All Ye Faithful on the kazoo.
well, it was probably a good idea to cut to our band and let you enjoy them because that kazoo, uh, I'm no good at it. So I hope you enjoyed our band's version of O Come All Ye Faithful. So the song goes, O Come All Ye Faithful, and this is where I'm going to zero in this week, Joyful and Triumphant, O Come Ye, O Come Ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Times three, Christ the Lord. So what we have here in this song is an invitation. And it's an invitation for people to come to Jesus because this was the night. This was the night they were saying Jesus was born. This is the night where everything changes as there was an invitation to come. Now, but when you look at this invitation, the invitation to come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. It might leave you feeling, well, a little excluded. Here's why I say that. Because the invitation is come, all ye faithful. I think that sometimes we eliminate ourselves because we don't feel like we are faithful or full of faith. That we exclude ourselves because you say, Aaron, you know how many times I haven't been faithful? Do you know how many times I've had to say sorry? Do you know how many times I've had to ask for forgiveness about this thing? Do you know how many times that I've had this issue in my life hurt other people? Do you know how much doubt I have in my life that is overwhelming? Like I don't feel faithful and I don't feel faithful. So we feel excluded from that invitation to come to Jesus. Or, or the, the song says, joyful, faithful, come all ye faithful, joyful. You say, I don't feel joyful. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. This has gone on for a really long time. I'm kind of actually more weary and tired than anything. I'm not really joyful. I'm kind of hopeless. I'm kind of full of doubt. I'm kind of sluggish. I'm kind of like, I feel like I've been this way too long. And maybe that's a health issue. Maybe that's a relational issue. Maybe that's a mental health issue or a financial situation or a relationship on the job. Like something has been going on too long. It's dragged on too long and your joy seems to be lost. It's too much pain. You're worried about your kids. You're worried about your money. You're worried about your job. You're worried about the future. You say, Aaron, I don't, I don't really feel like I'm very joyful. So that excludes me from the invitation to Jesus. So what about triumphant? Well, say, Aaron, I, I don't know. I've, I've tried and I've tried. And this is the reason you would exclude yourself from an invitation to Jesus. I've tried and I've tried to get it right. For years and years, I've tried to break the cycle of addiction. I've tried to kick the habit. I can't get past the wrong that was done to me. Like this is just too much hurt. What you're asking from me, I I just don't feel triumphant. If anything, I feel defeated. I feel less than. I feel incapable, disqualified. You look at this song, you say, I'm not faithful. I'm not joyful and I'm not triumphant. So I'm not included. No, what you would say is, Aaron, I'm unsteady. I'm distressed and I'm defeated. And if these are the words and the reasons why you're disqualifying yourself from a relationship with God, the invitation to Jesus, then today I have good news for you. The good news is that you are invited to a relationship with Jesus. You are invited to a relationship with his church. You are invited to discovering the purpose that God has for your life. You are invited. That's the good news. Because the invitation isn't to the joyful. The invitation isn't to the faithful. The invitation isn't to the triumphant. You say, well, if it's not to them, Aaron, 
Who is the invitation to? Who does Jesus call to himself? Well, I'm glad you asked. The answer first is the weary and the burdened. That's actually who Jesus has invited. He's, he's come for them. That's good news for somebody today because you would identify, and I, I don't even know if you're here today and you would say over here in the comment section, Aaron, that's me. I am weary and I am burdened. You're tired from carrying the weight of your life, which by the way, you were never, ever meant to do. We carry our worries, we carry our issues, we carry our mistakes, we carry our relationships, and we carry our future, we carry our attempts to control, we carry all these things, and as a result, we're tired, we're weary and burdened. In fact, if you are weary and burdened, or you would just say, I'm tired, post it over here in the comment section, I'm tired. The good news is, is that Jesus invites you, my friend. He is inviting the weary and the burden into relationship with him. Why? Because he's got something better for you. Check it out. <clears throat> in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, it says, come to me all. I like that it says all. Because if you are feeling like the gospel is exclusive, that the good news that Jesus is for you, that he loves you, then, then this right here should clarify that. The gospel is not exclusive. It's just specific. And it's specific to that's right, all. Come to me, all, you who are weary and burdened. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, and I will give you rest. Rest. Man, I don't know about you, but rest is essential. Having a nap, having a Sabbath, a day of rest, those things are important. But sometimes we just need rest from all the things we're trying to control, all the things that we are worrying about. And Jesus offers these things. He says, come to me. You who are wearied and burdened. I don't know if you can relate. Any of you have kids? Man, you, you, tell, you can always tell when your kids are tired. Why? Because nothing is good enough. They are fit to be tired. Tied, they are angry, and they're about to melt down, and sometimes they even do melt down in public. The world is ending. But when you have a child that is weary and burdened, they are exhausted, there's very little things that a nap can't fix, Right? Come on, somebody, don't leave me hanging out here. You know what I'm talking about. Rest, it's important. Jesus rested well. When you look at his ministry, he withdrew from people often. He rested well. He taught his disciples to rest well. Jesus even took naps in the middle of difficult things. Rest is important. And he's calling to the weary and to the burden. And he's like, hey, you're invited to the party. And in exchange for your weariness, in exchange for your burdens, what I've got for you is something that you need the most and it's rest. You're invited. Guess who else is, he's invited to the party? That's right. Sinners, or like some, some people say, thinners. He's invited them thinners to the party. You know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about those people. I'm talking about, about bad people. I'm talking about broken people, about people who don't have it all together, about the worst of the worst. And I like that those people are involved, invited. Do you know why? Because that's not just good news for them. That's good news for me because I'm the worst of the worst. I'm the worst of the worst. We all are sinners. In fact, one of my favorite prayers is I pray, Lord, today I haven't cheated. I haven't lied. I haven't cussed anybody out. I haven't said anything I regret. 
haven't flipped anybody off, haven't gotten angry and through anything, I haven't looked at stuff I shouldn't have looked at, haven't said things I shouldn't have said, but Lord, I'm about to get out of this bed and start my day, and I'm going to need your help for the rest of the day, like for real. That's a real prayer, (laughs) because honestly, we are all sinners. We're all broken, and we all need God's love and his grace. We all need it, and Jesus is inviting me. He's inviting you. He's inviting all of us to the party. Every one of us were invited to a relationship with Jesus. Watch this, what he said. Jesus said this, his response to, to religious leaders of the day, basically pastors. He said, because they were, they were criticizing him because he was hanging out with thinners, with, with prostitutes and tax collectors, the worst of the worst. And Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. That makes sense, right? If you're healthy, you don't go to the doctor. If you, you, know, if you don't have a toothache, you don't go to the dentist. You, you, don't, you don't make an appointment when you're not sick. He says, for I have not come to call the righteous, which this word righteous means people that are in right standing with God. He said, I didn't call people that are righteous. He said, I came to call the sinners. He came to call the sinners. And I think when we think about this song, I feel like it probably deserves a rewrite that we say, oh, come all ye sinners, weary and heavy burden." Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem or to Simple Church, whatever, right? Like, like we, we want to rewrite the song because we want the invitation to be clear. So this is the good news. The sinners, the weary and the heavy burden are the ones that he calls, and that is all of us. And here's the thing. The invitation isn't a, hey, you can come, but you got to change everything about yourself. You got to get yourself right. You got to clean up your act. You got to clean up the way you talk. You got to clean up your relationship. You got to clean up your finances. You got to abide by this book of rules. You got to look a certain way. You got to talk a certain way. You got to dress a certain way. You have to be a certain way. You have to smell a certain way. That's not what the Bible says at all. And that's not what the invitation is, is, has for you. The invitation is to all of us, and it's for us to come as you are. You can come as you are. You don't need to get anything straightened up or cleaned up. In fact, that's Jesus's job. He'll do that in you when you come to him. Because here's the thing. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. And Jesus, when he, when you come to the party, when you accept the invitation to come to him, into a relationship with him, He's not going to leave us the way that he found us. In fact, he's got an exchange for what we have to offer. He wants to take our weariness and our burdens and give us rest. He wants to take our life of sin and give us a brand new life. In fact, scripture says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this being in Christ means that you have accepted the invitation. You're going to allow Jesus into your life, declare him as Lord. You're going to follow his ways. You're going to obey him. You're going to love him. You're going to serve him. If anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. In other words, what you had before is all gone. You're a new creation. The old has gone. The new is here. That man, that when you step into a relationship with Jesus, what he's offering is to make you brand new. Not just a new version of you, but a better you. Like, like just like the, a, a, a you that is like him, not just a better you. 
he wants to make you a new creation. He has a new life for you. And the way he does this is he puts his spirit on the inside of you and he transforms your life. The old is gone, the new is here. So if you're asking, if you're trekking with me, you're like, all right, Aaron, so what does he help us become then? What does this new creation look like? Well, the first thing that Jesus helps us become is more faithful, more faithful or full of faith. See, watch what happens when we accept the invitation to come to Jesus. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. When we've decided this is the direction I'm going, I'm going to walk in his footsteps. I'm going to pursue a relationship with Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. What does this mean? Well, let me say it this way. I think that before Jesus enters into your life and before you allow him to be Lord, you're Lord of your own life. You're making all the decisions for your, for your life. You're following all your own ways. You're following your own, your own desires and your own whatever it is you want. That's what you go and do, and that's how you behave, and that's how you carry on in your relationships and in all things. You are Lord of your life. But when you've decided to make Jesus Lord of your life, you are no longer the author of your life. You're no longer the one holding the pen, writing your own story. That when you ask him to be Lord, you surrender the pen to him. And now he begins writing your story, which he starts a brand new story. He turns the page, gives you a fresh start. And he begins writing a different story with your life. He'll take all of the past and redeem it and use it for his purposes. But he begins to transform your life. And he starts by being the author of your faith. And then he goes on to being the perfecter of your faith. You say, well, Aaron, how does he do that? I'm glad you asked. Romans 10, 17 tells us how faith comes inside of us. How we begin to be faithful is that faith comes from hearing. Hearing what? Well, from hearing through the word of Christ. In other words, faith comes by you listening to the word of God being preached. That's what's happening right now. As God's word is being spoken to you, you're filling up with faith. That's what's happening on the inside of you right now. God's word builds our faith when we hear it. Perfect example of this. Perfect example of this. There are times in my life when many of you know that part of my story is that I come from an addiction background. And an addiction background is a cycle of brokenness that, man, it has you feeling shamed for for being in in addiction and it has you repeating your behaviors over and over and over again until you begin to believe that things are hopeless. You begin to believe that you will never change. You begin to believe that there is not a chance you'll ever be able to step out of that cycle. And I was in that addiction cycle. I felt shame and therefore I wanted to escape. And I was medicating my, my pain, my personal pain and the shame that I felt for, for using and abusing my body and, and, and abusing my personal drug of choice. And as a result, I felt shame and I wanted to escape the shame so I used more to medicate it, to dull my senses. And as a result, I felt more shame for using and so I just stayed in that addiction cycle. And I was following Jesus and I was like, God, I need your help 
to break out of this cycle. I need faith to rise up inside of me again so that I can have hope that I will step out of this, that my marriage will be different, that my life will be different, that my spiritual life will be different, that my future will be altered, that the future of my children will be altered, that I could break a generational curse in my life. God, I need hope. I need faith. And it took me to a scripture. And there's a scripture that I, I read to myself over and over and over again that helped me break out of the cycle, to, to step out of the moments when temptation would rise, when I felt hopeless, it, and I was reminded of my many failures over and over again, and I felt unfaithful, and I felt faithless, I used this scripture. There's this verse from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says this, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. I like that because a lot of times the devil wants you to feel isolated and in this, I didn't feel isolated anymore. I was no longer alone. I was no longer by myself because this temptation that I was facing, it's common. There's other people going through it too. And if they can make it through, I can make it through as well. And then he goes on and says, and God is faithful. So this is just a moment that you can put your eyes on him. And I really love that. Love a moment to worship, to be reminded that even in the moments when I was unfaithful, that God was still faithful. That who I am and who people have been in my life is not a reflection of who God is. That I was unfaithful and I could confess my sins and God would be faithful to forgive me. God's faithful. I love that. But in this way, when God shows up and he's faithful... He says, and God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. To me, that was encouraging knowing that there is no level that I will be tempted to a point where I will be overwhelmed and have to give in, that there will be a way for me to escape. In fact, that's what scripture goes on to say. But when you're tempted, watch this, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So I began to, faith began to rise up inside of me that I can do this, that I can break out of this cycle because what this told me, this gave me faith to believe that things could be different, that there was no temptation that was gonna come my way, that somebody else wasn't going through and that somebody else hadn't already overcome. And so I could, I could take courage in that knowing I was not alone. And if they did it, I could do it too. And that God was faithful. He wasn't gonna let me be tempted beyond what I could handle. And if that was the case, that means that I could bear up underneath of it. And then scripture goes on to tell me that God will, with the temptation, provide a means of escape. That on this airplane, this ship that is going down, there is an exit hatch somewhere and I just needed to make a choice to step out of it and I wouldn't go down with the ship. Now, come on, y'all. When you're feeling lost and you're feeling faithless and you're feeling hopeless, scripture causes faith to rise on the inside of you for you to be faithful. And God's word is full of promises just like this one. God's word is full of directives just like this one. God's word is full of strength for every moment of our life, just like this one, that when we read it and we say it to ourselves or someone else shares it with us, that we hear it and faith begins to rise within us. Jesus will do it if you let him. That's why it's important for you to make sure that you attend church online on Sundays. That's why it's important for you to open your Bible Monday through Saturday, even if it's just the verse of the day. Get a reading plan. 
listen to old podcasts of these messages. Like there's, there's, that we've been around for nearly eight years at this point. There are messages from every Sunday that we've been around. The earlier messages are not so great. Stay away from those in the 2013s. But, <laughs> but there's tons of them that you can encourage yourself. You can have faith rise within you by hearing the word of God. Get into it. You're invited to the party. That's the good news. And he wants to fill you with faith. Come on, somebody. Give me an amen over in the comments. I'm preaching today. I feel it. I'm sweating just a little bit, and it's pretty cool in this room. Jesus wants to make you faithful. The next thing he wants to do is to make you more joyful. More joyful. Now, let me tell you something about joy. Joy is a byproduct of a relationship with Jesus. See, when you find yourself in right standing, when you find something that you could not purchase, that you could not pay for, that you could not earn, and it is being given to you free of charge, my goodness, that is something to be joyful about. That is grace and mercy combined into one. That is the beauty of who Jesus is. And there is only joy found in him. Only joy found in him. He is where the joy is. His work in you through his spirit, will produce joy. Check it out. This is what Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy. Now we're talking about this this way, and this list goes on. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I stopped at joy because that's what we're talking about in this moment. But the fruit of the spirit, we talk about the fruit of the spirit, the work of the spirit. In other words, when you talk about fruit, the kind of fruit you get is based on the kind of tree that you plant. When you plant an apple tree, you know that you're going to get apples on that tree. You're not going to get grapes. You're not going to get bananas. You're going to get apples. And here's the truth, that when Jesus steps into your life and you accept the invitation into relationship with him, he plants his spirit inside of you. The fruit of that relationship, of being in that right standing with him is love. It's the way that you love others. It's joy. It's peace, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruit of the Spirit's work in your life. You say, well, Aaron, I'm confused because I'm a believer, but I'm not happy right now. Well, let me tell you something. Joy and happiness are not the same thing. In fact, I will tell you this, that happiness depends on happenings, but joy depends on Jesus. Happenings depend on happenings. So that means that whatever's going on in your life right now determines whether or not you are happy. So it's like, um, so whatever it is that you're in control of, it's, it's your time, it's your relationships, it's your treasure, it's your talents, it's the happenings in your life. It's how you spend those things, how you engage in life. All the happenings determine your happiness and you're in control of that. You determine the happenings in your life, like how, even how you're going to respond to certain things that happen in your life and the outcomes like you, you're in control of that. You are in charge of your own happiness, but joy, joy is not based on happenings in your life. Joy is based on the completed finished work that Jesus did on the cross when he died for your sins and my sins, paved the way for us to be forgiven, paved the way for us to be adopted into a spiritual family, a full and fulfilled life here on this earth and eternity in heaven. Joy is not something from this world. Joy is something from another world. It is supernatural and it's something you get because you are in right relationship with Jesus. Happiness depends on happenings. But joy depends on Jesus. We see this in the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. 
said, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Can we just pause for a second? I was just, as I was preparing for this today, I think about these angels who show up on the scene and, and they tell people not to be afraid. Like, what did they really expect was going to happen? Like, could you imagine the conversation in heaven? Hey, Michael, how are you going to do it today? You, you, uh, you're going to sneak up behind him? You're going to have a flaming sword? You're going to be like, you know, the size of five men? You're going to make a donkey talk? What are you going to do today? Uh, no, I, th- I think I'm just going to like appear in the sky. And then, I'm, and then when they all fall down scared, I'm going to tell them not to be afraid. Like, I mean, can you just imagine the conversations? Like you see angels in the sky and all of a sudden something you've never seen before and they're talking to you. Of course you're going to be afraid. Anyway, unpause. I just thought that was funny today. I was like, what did they think was going to happen? Tell them, do not be afraid. Don't you show up and scare me. How about that? Anyway, but the angel says to him, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. For who? For all the people. That means me. That means you, right? Watch this. He says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. To the person sitting next to you your family. Like this is the Oprah Winfrey moment. You get a savior and you get a savior and you get a savior. Like everybody gets a savior, right? Because Jesus didn't come from one person. He came for us all. There's great joy that our savior has come, that we are invited to the party, that we get to offer nothing but our weariness, our burdens, our sinfulness, and he invites us. But there are plans to make us more faithful, more joyful, And finally, you know where I'm going with this, more triumphant. That's right. This is the work that Jesus does in us. He makes us more triumphant. He makes us an overcomer. He reminded his disciples. It's like there's going to be all kinds of troubles in the world, but I've already overcome the world. In fact, Paul said we're more than overcomers through Christ. We're more than that. We're overcomers for sure. We're conquerors. And I would tell you this, that, that maybe you don't always identify with feeling triumphant, more of an overcomer, but, but a lot of times those feelings of, of empowerment, those feelings that embolden you, those feelings of, of an overcomer, they're based on who you're with. A few years back, I was, uh, and I'm not proud to tell you this, uh, I, not this part, like I was at a magic convention, you know, I do sleight of hand card tricks and things like that. And I was at a magic convention with a bunch of buddies and we're sitting in this lecture and there was this guy in front of us. Um, and for whatever reason, you know, the, the magician in front of us is, is lecturing and going on, and he's sitting right in front of us between the magician and the lecturer, and he's got a walkie-talkie. And he keeps talking on the walkie-talkie to somebody, and we hear the other person talking back on him. So it's like not like a private, hushed conversation. It's like really loud. It's distracting to a lot of people in front of him, around him, but also to me and my four or five guys that we're sitting with. And we're just like, is this guy for real right now? And so we, after we'd had enough, we were kind of getting a little impatient. I had a pack of Twizzlers that I was eating. And I looked at my buddies and I grabbed one like this and I looked at, looked at my buddy David and I said, watch this. And I, and I threw the Twizzler and it went and it hit, and hit the guy in the back of the head. And he turned around and he looked at me because he was being rude. That's why I threw it in the first place. I said, I'm sorry, was that rude? Now, by the way, don't do as I do. This was a long time ago. I'm just telling you something that I did. I felt empowered by my friends to do it. And then the guy got up and walked out of the room. And I know that that makes me sound terrible. It'll probably make it sound even more terrible when you find out the kid was like an eight-year-old. But uh, either way, isn't it true though? We're emboldened. We feel more triumphant. We feel more powerful when we're with 
certain people. They, 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 they're maybe, maybe that's not such a great thing, but we feel strong. We feel protected like we can do anything. Which, by the way, that's, that's why you need to be in a grow group or at a watch party or even you doing like this unofficial gathering with people to watch service on Sunday mornings, just getting a few friends together. You need to have a group of people who will protect you, encourage you, pray with you, walk with Jesus together with you. You need it. But it makes a difference who's with you. And Jesus is with us like this. He's with us like this. Check out this prophecy about him from Isaiah chapter 9. It says this, for, for to us, that's us, a child is born. This is talking about him. This was hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born on this earth. It was talking about who he would be, when he would be born, what he would do. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Man, that sounds triumphant. And that's who Jesus is. Scripture is talking about him, that he will be our king of kings. There'll be no other king like him. He will be our Lord of lords. He will be our alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, that nothing would come into being without him speaking it into existence. He, he would be the chosen one to save us from our sin. He would be the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the prince of peace, the bread of life, the light of the world, the lamb that was slain, the savior and the lifter of our heads. He was born the king of angels and we come to adore him for he is Christ the Lord. Man, Jesus is triumphant and he is an overcomer and he is with us. That's the invitation that he offers. He offers it to those who are weary, those who are burdened, and those who are sinners, those who feel like they are disqualified. And he offers you rest, and he offers you a new life. And on the other side of that new life and accepting that invitation is him making you more faithful. It's him making you more joyful. It's him making you more triumphant, empowered to do more for the kingdom of God than you ever believed you could do on your own or in this life. That is the invitation. And that is what I have for you today. So let's pray. Father, today, I just lift up everybody in this, in, in, in this service today that has joined us in our online campus or wherever they're at, however they're watching. And I ask God, for the people that are struggling with their faith right now, feeling faithless, I pray, God, that you would show us your promises in your word that would build up our faith in the moments that we need it and all the ways that we need it. Lord, for the ways, for the people that are lacking in joy right now, I pray, God, that you would, that you would show them that joy is only found in you and that they would begin to look for it in their relationship with you to maybe return to, to the, the ways that they were participating in their relationship before now. For those that are feeling defeated, Father, I pray that they would just be reminded of who you are, that you are with them, you are an overcomer, and so are they as a result of being in Christ today. 
in this moment as I continue to pray, I want to just tell you that verse 8 of this, this song, O Come, O Ye Faithful, it's one of the verses that are rarely sung, but there's a line in it that I just really loved, and it's, it's for those of you that maybe find yourself far away from God. It, it says, who does not love him who loves us thus? It, it's a question that the author was posing, like, how could our only response to a God who loves us this much to a God who is willing to accept the weary and the burdened and the sinners, to love us, to transform our lives, to give all that he gave in order to do that for God, sending his only son to die in our place, to pay the price for our sins so that we can have a full and fulfilled life here on earth, heaven and eternity with him to enjoy him forever. He, the question, who does not love him who loves us thus? It's a reasonable question. Because it seems to me the only reasonable and rational response to that kind of love is that we would give our whole lives to him. Is that we would choose to say, I, I need you, Jesus. I want, I want everything that you have for me. I, I, may not, I may not follow you perfectly, but I'm willing to, I'm willing to try. I'm willing, I'm willing to, to pursue you. I'm willing to be in relationship with you. I'm willing to make you Lord of my life. If you're here today and that's you and I'm talking to you and you're ready to acknowledge Jesus is Lord and King, if you're ready to accept the gift that God gave us in Christ, then right now I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to repeat the words that I say. The words themselves are not important. It's the heart that believes that faith is rising on the inside of you right now as I preach to you about Jesus. If you're going to respond today, also when you're in our online campus, you can click the button that says, I'm raising my hand. I'm saying yes to Jesus. For the rest of you, man, just pray these, pray these words with us. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit. Make me brand new. Show me how to live for you and how to tell others about you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer today, heaven's having a party and our online campus is going nuts and celebrating with you as well. We would love to uh, walk with you in the rest of your spiritual journey. So our request is no matter how you're watching this today on YouTube or even in our uh, through a podcast in the show notes, there are links that uh, describe a digital connection card. If you'll click that card and uh, give us your information, we would love to make sure you have a Bible in your hands. We would love to uh, make sure you know what your next steps are as you follow Jesus. We'd love to make sure you get connected to our church. And, and uh, if it's not our church, get you connected to a church that, that is in your area. We, we just want to be part of your next steps of following Jesus. Would you give us an opportunity to do that? Fill out the connect card today. Make the next best decision that you can make, and you can do that now. As we wrap up our service today, also want to give you opportunities to give to support the, the work of the ministry that we are doing here that supports so many different ministries around the world from church planning here in Ohio and across the country to church planning in Indonesia, ministry works in El Salvador, in Honduras, and more. Listen, we love you. We're so thankful for your generosity in this season. And uh, we, the ways to give are here on the screen right now. You can give digitally. You can mail in a check. Uh, just thank you for your faithfulness in this season. We would ask that you come back Join us next week. We're going to do week three of this series called Carols with the song Away in a Manger. Uh, in the meantime, share this message. If you're watching online, share it on your social media. Be part of our team that is spreading the good news about the invitation that Jesus offers. Amen, everybody. I love you guys. God bless you. We'll see you back here next week.